Hello, Prosper ISD, Dr. Holly Ferguson coming to you today to have coffee with the superintendent. We want change to happen and change systemically happens through each of us and what we're willing to do. I could sit and complain and believe me, my list could go on and on on a daily basis. And I'm sure some of you could only imagine what a superintendent hears on a daily basis. But I continue to find myself in the place of obstacles are opportunities. And I wanna say that one more time, obstacles are opportunities. Many of you will take to social media and you'll talk about all of the problems in the world, but there's not solutions out there. And I'm here to tell you that's not helping. On Thursday, administrators in scandal-plagued Prosper Independent School District notified a select group of parents that the district's high-profile cheerleading coach who has been the target of complaints alleging inappropriate behavior, will no longer head the high school cheer program. When scandal breaks out at a Texas public school, educators and administrators have two options. They can either take accountability and face public scrutiny, or they can engage in a cover-up to protect their reputations. But why would any well-meaning principal, superintendent, or school board member choose secrecy? Why does protecting their school's reputation matter more than protecting children? And if a school district successfully covers up one scandal, who's to say they won't sweep the next one under the rug, too? I'm Katie Marshall, and this is Episode 3 of Exposed, The Dark Side of Texas Schools. The administrators are always going to protect the machine. If you're going to place the responsibility of self-policing, self-regulating on the part of the school district, they can whitewash what's going on. And to think that it could happen in our own district, scary. The job of the administration is to protect the machine of the district. Well, grab your face paint and your pom-poms. It is time for the CBS 11 pep rally. Yeah, Keith is live this week at the Prosper Eagles, who are taking on my Plano Wildcats. So we'll see how tonight goes. Keith? Yes, we will, Russ and Karen. And you said pom-poms. We got some pom-poms. Let's see the pom-poms. Three months after Prosper ISD claimed governmental immunity and denied responsibility for the sexual assaults, of two elementary school girls, another scandal broke in the district. December 1st, 2022. Parents of cheerleaders at Prosper High School receive an email addressed to PHS Cheer Families. We wanted to share some information with you about the cheer program at Prosper High School. Cameron Jones will no longer be the head cheer coach at Prosper High School. This information was shared with your students today during their cheer class. We know you may have questions about this change, but since this is a personal matter, we are limited as to what we can share. We hope that you know that we always seek to make the best decisions for our students. PHS Administration According to Prosper mom Janelle Davis, in the months before Coach Jones left the district, Rumors had been circulating on social media that Jones was facing misconduct allegations. I mean, same kind of thing. There were lots of rumors and comments on on social media and, um, you know, things I'd heard from friends of friends who had students in the cheer program. And there were certainly also some defenders of him, too, on on social media and in different posts. So, um, 
there were just lot, things I'd heard about, just complaints about um, safety issues during practices and complaints that, you know, maybe um, boundaries were being blurred, for example, and in terms of like just keeping a very strict teacher or coach student boundary. However, some Prosper parents doubted the allegations. To them, Coach Jones appeared well-equipped to lead the cheerleading squad. He cheered for the University of North Texas in college, and then went on to work for a national cheer program. His passion for cheerleading and coaching appeared obvious. He's changed how we present ourselves greatly, said one varsity cheerleader. It's very important to him how we are viewed by our community, and he always wants us to look our best. He's always five steps ahead of everyone else in the best way possible. He has a plan, and he will be following through with that plan to ensure we look our best. I want everyone to see how serious we take cheer. Jones told the Prosper High student newspaper. We put in the work. We want people to know we're serious. So what happened to Cameron Jones? The day after Prosper High School emailed parents with the news, Texas Scorecard senior journalist Aaron Anderson went to work trying to figure out if Coach Jones's departure had anything to do with the previous misconduct allegations. Janelle Davis called on Prosper ISD to address their failings instead of ignoring them. You know, shortly before he was let go or resigned, um, I don't know what the official story was on that, there was, you know, supposed to be a, a grievance about him in front of our board. And he left the district before that happened. So, you know, I, I think, again, same kind of thing. It's like there's no one, no district is going to be perfect. No system is going to be perfect. And, and there are going to be um, things that happen. But when that does happen, are we addressing it? Are we acknowledging the problems? Are we making changes to um, keep our students safe, to keep our schools safe? Or are we... Um, minimizing it and and brushing it under the rug and sending that person on to another school district to do something similar. While parents in Prosper were reckoning with scandals, a mom in the Austin suburb of Round Rock was fighting against a school district accused of corruption, misconduct, and deceit. Tatiana Alfano is a teacher and a mom to two kids, including a son, Quentin. When he was 13, Quinton attended the Goals Learning Center at Round Rock ISD, a school for students with specific educational needs that claims to provide students with a highly structured learning environment. Although Tatiana herself is an educator and said that she often erred on the side of believing in other teachers' good intentions, Quinton started making concerning comments about his school day including that teachers weren't listening to him and were being mean. In October 2022, Tatiana got a phone call from the school. The school had, first the school had called me and told me that Quentin was being really defiant and very difficult. There had been an altercation and they had to put Quentin in a restraint and they didn't feel safe putting him on the bus. They may need me to come get him. Called me again and said, that he had calmed down and that I didn't need to come get him, that they were going to go ahead and put him on the bus and send him home. And I said, okay, great. Uh, when I got home, um, I had read through the email that they had sent me, and the email was uh, a summary of what had happened. And the 
the, the restraint um, documentation. In the letter, it had said that Quentin was defiant, so they had to remove him from the classroom, which agitated him further, so he got aggressive, and that he had tried to punch a teacher, and then Quentin fell and hit his head, and then they put him in a restraint. That was what the, the paperwork said. But the school story didn't match with Quentin's account. When Quentin got home, he was like, no, Mom, you, you don't understand. He threw me into a wall, and I didn't hit anybody, and I, I wasn't aggressive until he threw me in a wall. He's like, my hands were in my pockets. I, I didn't do that. They're lying. I said, okay, well, I, I'm, I, I, as, a, as a teacher, I still have to err on the side of believing the teachers and following, up, following through with discipline at home, as is in the classroom. And I decided that I was going to go ahead and put in a request to view the video as well, which I did. It took about two, almost two weeks uh, for me to to meet via Zoom with the Round Rock staff to view the video, which I did, and I was shocked. When Tatiana watched the school surveillance video, she discovered that the situation was ignited when Quentin and his teacher got into a disagreement over demonstrating an example on her computer. Things escalated when the teacher called for two other teachers to physically remove Quentin from the classroom. The two teachers took hold of Quentin under his arms and escorted him into the hallway. After Quentin continued insisting that he wanted to return to class and finish his work, the two teachers walked him to the school's calm-down room. In Texas, a calm-down room is a room that is dedicated for children that are having um, pretty explosive emotions where um, teachers may feel like they're going to be aggressive, um, but it is not legally allowed for people to hold the children in there. Like, there's no doors. You cannot hold a child in there or make a child stay in there. The rooms are also there for students who willingly need a space that is less stimulating um, because there's nothing in this room. It is just an empty room, completely empty. Generally, there's really not even any lights. Um, It's just kept intentionally empty and devoid, so it is not overstimulating. At the Goals Learning Center, the calm-down room is small, dark, and empty, with brick walls and a tiled floor. Once in the calm-down room, Quentin and the two teachers seem to relax until Vice Principal Jacob Thomas made an appearance. Quentin had run into problems with Thomas before. He was reportedly quick to anger and aggressive, and this time was no different. Thomas dismissed the two teachers, who walked out of the calm-down room. Quentin attempted to follow, which was well within his rights, according to the Texas Education Agency. This upset the principal, so he grabbed my son by the shirt, threw him back into the calm-down room, into a wall, a brick wall. You see my son slide down the wall. For several minutes, the teachers pinned Quentin down on the floor, where he struggled and can be heard on the surveillance video screaming. I'm shaking as I'm talking about it. It's so many mixed emotions because I am I am sad for my son that he was abused at the hands of people that are supposed to be 
responsible for his protection and education. Um, there's trauma there. So I'm sad for my son. As an educator, I am, and a parent, I am livid. I am livid. How can anybody, how, we don't throw children into walls. I don't, I, I understand some people have a, a bad day, but we don't throw children into walls. Though Round Rock ISD conducted an internal investigation into the incident, according to Tatiana, the district continued asserting that Quentin fell and hit his head on the brick wall, not that he was pushed by Vice Principal Thomas. Tatiana took her concerns over the physical restraints used on her son to the Round Rock ISD school board and was met with silence. Round Rock ISD has a dangerous, misinformed, and systemic culture of abuse. Every restraint seclusion performed on a child is considered an adverse childhood experience, aka trauma. In 2012, federal guidelines from the Resource Manual on Restraint and Seclusion was published and outlined 15 principles. Your time is up. Yeah, and point of order. There's too much media. I'm sorry, your time is expired. Point of order. My son is owed an apology after being thrown I'm sorry, your time has expired. Although trustee Daniel Weston attempted to extend Tatiana's speaking time, no other trustee seconded her motion. Instead, the board silenced Tatiana's microphone. After school board president Amber Feller recessed the meeting, Tatiana went to speak to local media. But according to other parents present at the meeting, Feller physically placed herself between Tatiana and a news reporter to, quote, stop and silence this mother. It it literally feels like they just don't care about children at all. You can't say that you care about children. Have an opportunity to make a change, to make a difference, to improve children's lives, to make them safer, and you remain silent and do nothing. That's neglect. At, 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 At best, that's neglect. Tatiana filed a report against Vice Principal Thomas with the Round Rock Police Department, but the charges were dismissed. However, she did hear back from Superintendent Hafta Azaiz, who offered her $10,000 to take down a video she had posted online showing surveillance video of Quentin being shoved into the wall. I told him no. Like, he had his opportunity. I, I, I didn't want... I told them ahead of time what my plans were. I said, I'm not making unreasonable requests. I, I want retraining. I want. I just want the school to be safer. Like, I'm not over here trying to, to extort the school. I just want it to be safer. And you guys can't put policies in place to make the school safer? After all of these encounters with Round Rock ISD teachers, administrators, and school board members, Tatiana was left with doubts about the government school system in Texas. So Jacob Thomas, the vice principal, was never fired from the school or the dist- from the district. He was removed from his position, but he was not fired. He was put on paid administrative leave. So he got a paid vacation until he decided to resign. So he put in his resignation and he left. He is free to work anywhere. So come fall, he could be your child's principal or vice principal or teacher. Unfortunately, This wasn't the first time Round Rock faced allegations that its employees covered up misconduct. Troubling stories have recently surfaced about Round Rock ISD officials, such as abuse of power, domestic assault allegations, allowing boys' and girls' private rooms, 
offering pornographic material to children, blocking parents from public meetings, and even arresting concerned citizens. Local parents are now waking up. In the first season of Exposed, Texas scorecard journalist Jacob Esmussen uncovered how five of the district's seven school board trustees, nicknamed the Bad Faith Five by local parents, faced accusations that they covered up domestic violence allegations against Superintendent Azaiz. Jacob explained how the Round Rock ISD school board allegedly knew about Azaiz's mistress's claim that he ordered her to get an abortion and threatened violence if she refused. When parents found out and raised their concerns at school board meetings, the board of trustees stopped them from speaking out. To me, the Azaiz affair bore striking similarities to Tatiana's story. District employees lied about a chain of events, and concerned parents were prevented from advocating for their children. After hearing all of these stories, from Prosper, Joshua, Round Rock, where school districts chose their reputation over students, I kept asking myself one question. Why? Why would some educators, who know that they shape the lives of children, not do everything in their power to help them? Why does reputation matter so much? For some, it's the importance of personal opinion, what their community thinks about them, being a leader people look up to. If you admit that you, someone charged with protecting children, failed, what will your neighbors think? For others, it's the school's reputation. According to the TEA, Prosper ISD is an A-rated district, while Joshua and Round Rock are both B districts. When parents research this information, they'll assume that children who attend these districts succeed, that they receive a quality education and quality care. If a scandal breaks through, it will spread seeds of doubt. Maybe this isn't such a good district. Maybe my child's needs aren't being met here. Maybe we should move. According to education expert Dr. Chris Kittle, more parents across the state are starting to question their long-held opinions about public education. We've always been told that this is the best way for your child to be prepared for the future, to you know, be educated as per what happens in public school. And um, so you have to trust that it's a safe place for your child, that your child is going to actually be educated in academics. And you have to trust all of those things. And I think parents are beginning to realize that they have put their trust in um, an institution that hasn't lived up to what they claimed it to be or what they have always historically been. Lead this district, protect our children, or get out of the way. You owe us an answer. No. And you know, you don't get to hide by just taking something down off Peachtree and calling it a day. You owe an explanation right. and an apology. The curtain has been pulled back, and people can now see the deficient leadership that's been in this county. My five-year-old is being peddled transgender books in her library. Teenagers are being served pornography under the guise of young adult literature. Lena Fishbein's mother, who has fought back against indoctrination at our children's school outside Philadelphia. We've had her on before, and we're delighted to have her again tonight. Lena, thanks so much for coming on. What do, do You have made a particularly eloquent case for why the schools should just teach your kids academics. 
How does it feel to be designated a domestic terrorist for demanding that? Well, that, that is funny that um, when I was on your show first time, I was a concerned parent. And look what happened within a year. I was elevated to the status of domestic terrorists by the DOJ and the Biden administration. A Gallup poll conducted in August 2022 reported that only 9% of Americans were completely satisfied with the quality of education K-12 students receive in the U.S. 55% were either somewhat or completely dissatisfied with government education. As public opinion surrounding government-backed education falters, parents are left to pick up the pieces of a failing system. My name is Eileen. Um, I've spoken to the board before. I have two children that attend um, Prosper Schools, uh, and I do live in the district. Thank you. So um, my child uh, was a child that rode a bus of uh, Frank Paniagua in 2021. Um, but I'm still here waiting the results of the independent investigations. Um, I'm not the most connected person, but I really haven't heard anything as of yet. And um, when all of this happened, when she was on the bus, she was five years old. Um, I received the confirmation email from the district and it took 133 days, which is 19 weeks for me to be notified officially. So this, I mean, to put it simply, this is just something I have to see through. I can't just easily let it go. So I'm here and I guess I'll keep coming until I hear something. On December 10th, 2022, while parents in Prosper were calling for her resignation, Dr. Holly Ferguson interviewed for a superintendent position in Northwest ISD, just north of Fort Worth. Two days later, while Ferguson was listening to Eileen Riverside worry that her five-year-old daughter rode a child molester's school bus for an entire year, Northwest ISD passed Ferguson over and gave the job to Kerrville ISD Superintendent Mark Faust. However, the Prosper ISD school board appeared unfazed that Ferguson was job hunting while the school district she was responsible for running was embroiled in scandal and accusations of wrongdoing. At a January 23, 2023 school board meeting, after spending almost three hours in a closed session, the board, led by President Drew Wilborn, voted unanimously to extend Ferguson's contract through 2028. So, um, agenda item 16B, consideration and possible action regarding the superintendent contract. I'll ask for a motion. I'll make a motion. I move to extend the superintendent's contract through the 2027-2028 school year, consistent with the discussion and closed meeting. Thank you, Trustee Dixon. Is there a second? I'll second. All right. You got it. And a third. So, Trustee Smith. Either or. All right, Trustee Smith, thank you for that. All in favor? That is all seven of us. In the next episode of Exposed, the dark side of Texas schools, we'll see that the rot goes all the way to the top. We begin with breaking news at Prosper ISD, where we just learned the school board president has been arrested. The district confirms Drew Wilborn is charged with indecency with a child. The Exposed Podcast is a production of Texas Scorecard. Texas Scorecard is the leading news source for government and culture. Go to texasscorecard.com today.
This episode was written and hosted by Katie Marshall and produced and edited by Drew Cook.